He wanted you here, not me. Still playing the innocent, Kirsty. You disappoint me. After all these years, surely you've realized it's you that wants me here. You opened the door a long time ago. And it will never be closed until I get what I came for. My soul. It was your loving husband who did the hard work. He made it easy for me. It seems your family always does. That was Frank. I gave him back to you. I did what I promised. Don't think I'm not grateful. I am eternally grateful. But there was another bargain, wasn't there? You will not have forgotten that I gave myself to let you run. Did you think that gift was nobly and freely given? Did you? I will not rest until I get what I want. And what I want. and welcome to the ancient slumber podcast show number three my name is chris ward and as usual i'm joined by myron schmidt how you doing myron hey hello how you doing i'm very well thank you very much um right bit of something interesting well i think it's interesting this is the first podcast that we have recorded since our very first show went live really it is which means that we've now got an email address and a Twitter feed set up as well. Oh, that's right. So, if anyone would like to send us some abuse, or some sexy photos, or anything like that, you can do so at ancientslumberpodcast at gmail.com. And at- please don't mention Chris masturbating, because his son listens. <laughs> yeah, I can edit that. Okay, and, uh, yeah, that's aimed at somebody we know, yes. And, um... We've also got a Twitter feed at ancient underscore slumber. So again, you can uh, hurl some abuse at us over there. That's right. Now my skin's getting very thick with all the abuse I have to put up with. That, yeah, on many fronts now. It is. I'll get on the film and the music stuff yeah, now. That, that's right. And and the politics stuff, don't forget. Oh, well, no, I'm ducking out of that now. <laughs> oh, honestly, you just you cannot talk to some people no no you you cannot you can't see reason can they no uh, no oh uh, dear oh well, well as, as we're both here i'll also mention um, that myron and i both write for uh, a music site called this is not a scene.com which is a wonderful music site um except for the fact that somebody decided to abuse me because i gave a guns and roses live album a bad review well, it's Guns N' Roses. Well, well I, say a, I say a bad review. I thought it was a good review with a very low score. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> the, tr- the truth hurts. Yeah, an ignorant pig I was called. Because I said Axl Rose can't sing. 
Yeah. At one time he could. Now he's just, um, yeah, wheezing his way through. Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> that's putting it nicely. Yeah, it was pitiful. But yes, yes. But all comments are welcome. Just expect some back if you're going to be silly. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. So now that we're all live and everyone can hear us properly, I'm also going to give a big shout out to uh, our friends over at the Strange and Deadly Show. That's right, Mr. Tom and Mr. Chris. Exactly. Uh, Chris was <laughs> yeah. Chris was very helpful in uh, giving me some advice on how to set up a podcast. Um, I didn't use any of his advice, if I'm perfectly honest. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, thank, but thanks for the offer. You got the ball rolling. Yeah, but those two guys there doing their show, covering their the Category Three films over there. Uh, it's fantastic. Go listen to them. Before we delve into our little Hellraiser sequels discussion. Um, since we recorded the last show, which covered the first Hellraiser, first four Hellraiser films, uh, the specs for the um, Arrow video box set came out, which, uh, oh, which got, I know got you very they're, jealous. They're very, they're it's really good. So I thought it, bef- before we delve into Hellraiser five, I thought we'd just have a quick go through some of these special features because I have seen them. Bastard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks to the thanks to my mate Mark over at Arrow, I have seen them. Um, so yeah, let's go down the list. Two K restorations of Hellraiser, Hellbound, and Hell on Earth, and they do look fantastic. Awesome, I will say. Uh, it's always great when you see an old film that you've sort of seen dozens of times, and then you spot things you haven't seen before. Did they have uh, audio issues? Because I mean, if, I don't know if you remember, but when Scream Factory put the uh, Nightbreed special edition together they were just plagued with audio issues i didn't notice any um okay i've only got a basic 5.1 surround setup yeah i didn't notice any okay cool it's fine for me there is a 200 page hardback book with writings from clive barker archivist phil and sarah stokes i haven't seen that yet but uh, i will do 20 page booklet featuring original hellraiser concept art which i'm looking forward to look to seeing uh, we've got some art cards, we've got a poster, uh, that's the box basics. Right, Hellraiser 1 disc, there's an audio commentary from Clive Barker. Oh, very cool. And an audio commentary from Barker and Ashley Lawrence. Uh, oh, very cool. That will be the one from the old Anchor Bay set, I think. Okay. That's, that's got a Barker and Ashley Lawrence one, but I don't, there's a, there's a one with Clive Barker on his own. I don't know if that's a new one or an old one yet, because I haven't checked that out. Okay. Leviathan, the story of Hellraiser, the documentary that came out earlier in the year. It's included. It's included. It's a re-edited version. It's not quite as long as the the single version that was released earlier in the year, I don't think. Wow. But they've split it up over the over the set. So on the disc of Hellraiser one, you get the Hellraiser one section of Leviathan, which I think is about an hour and a half's worth, something like that. Okay. Uh, yeah, which is very good. Uh, there's an interview with Sean Chapman, who played Frank. Uh, which is very interesting, actually. He's quite, really? Yes, because he's never really spoken out about it, I don't think. So uh, it's quite interesting. He's got a lot of love for the film, which is very good. Uh, there's a interview with Stephen Thrower, who is a film historian, but he was also a member of the band Coil, who were slated to do the soundtrack originally. Huh, okay. Uh, which they did, but then the soundtrack never got used. Um, but that's quite interesting. He gives a quite a good perspective on the whole thing. Uh there's some vintage featurettes with interviews with Clive Barker and Doug Bradley and Ashley Lawrence and whatever that were filmed at the time. 
yeah, I think a lot of them were included on the old Anchor Bay set as well. Okay. If you've got that, uh, there's an interview with Doug Bradley called Under the Skin. That is on the old Anchor Bay set. Uh, the original EPK, or press electronic press kit, uh, and there's some trailers and whatever. So that's Hellraiser 1. Hellbound Hellraiser 2, you get an audio commentary from director Tony Randall and writer Peter Atkins. Huh, okay. I, again, I don't know if that's a new one or not. There's an audio commentary with Randall Atkins and Ashley Lawrence, which I think that's on the old Anchor Bay set. Uh, you get the Leviathan section of Hellraiser 2, which again I think is a couple of hours long, which is quite good. Sean Chapman again talking about Hellraiser 2, which is again is quite good, because I don't think he's quite as keen on the sequel as he was on the first one. Uh, what else we've got Lost in the Labyrinth Vintage Featurette interviews with Clive Barker Randall uh, Atkins and some others and another interview with Doug Bradley again I think they're carry-ons from Anchor Bay Uh, but the thing that most people will want from Hellraiser 2 is the surgeon scene do you know about the surgeon scene? I do I do yes it's included and I've watched it any good? Uh, yeah it's not um it's not finished it's not there's no sort of sound decent sound quality or anything like that to it it's literally just a few shots of pinhead and the female cenobite in the surgeon guard walking towards kirsty as she runs to a lift yeah obviously it's great to see it because obviously it's one of those things that's been around in uh, hellraiser legend for years and years and years and uh, hopefully doug bradley can stop having to answer questions about it now <laughs> <laughs> which i'm sure he's no very... no no probably not but uh, no it's on there they won't stop asking. I mean, it, it, imagine this. So you get to sit down with Doug Bradley and ask him questions. Yeah. I, I, I'd I be hard-pressed to come up with one that he hasn't heard at least a thousand times before. This is the trouble with interviews, isn't it? That's why I don't do them. <laughs> it's It really is. It's really um, quite difficult. To, to You know, it's just it's, – it's a rehashing almost of everything, and it's – I, I nearly had an opportunity, bit off topic, but I nearly had an opportunity to interview Lemmy a couple of years ago. I mean, I was going to do it because, you know, how often do you get the chance to interview Lemmy? But what do I ask him? Yeah, I yeah. mean... Hello, Lemmy. What's it like recording the new album? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's just... It's, uh, it's you know, it's really difficult. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, if you met Doug Bradley, I mean, what would you say? I mean, apart from yeah. why the hell did you do Wrong Turn 5? <laughs> well, that would be one. Yeah. And, and uh, what, what accent were you aiming for? Yeah. <laughs> which, part rather... of, which part of South Africa were you supposed to be from in that film? <laughs> uh, I'd rather focus on what he's doing now. Has he got any movies we don't know about in the works? Is he writing more? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I mean. Actors and musicians, they like to talk about their latest work, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's what you, you know. Got, that's what you got to do. That's what you got to aim at. Right. Interviewing uh, in, interviewing Pinhead, but not ask about Pinhead. I mean, that's that's yeah. the challenge. Interviewing Daniel Craig and not asking him about James Bond. Oh no, I do it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he we, could so he could storm off. Let's be honest. He's had no other successes outside of Bond, has he? No, no, not, not not that I know of. No, nothing really. Golden Compass, that was shite. <laughs> the Road, I think that was shite too. Oh, Wasn't I... he in that one? No, I don't think he was, was he? That was um, Vigo Mortensen, wasn't it? That was Vigo. Um, Layer Cake he was in. 
I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I can't be. I don't like him anyway. Um, right. To that point. <laughs> <laughs> right. The disc of Hellraiser three, Hell on Earth, along with the theatrical version, you get the unrated version, which I don't think uh, was released in America before. We've had it over here before. Uh, yeah, there is a story behind that. But yeah, you get the unrated version as well. You get an, a brand new audio commentary with writer Peter Atkins. Which I haven't okay. li- I haven't listened to, but I will do because he's quite a jovial chap. So quite interesting to listen to. Um, there's an old commentary from director Anthony Hickox and Doug Bradley, which is from the Anchor Base DVD set, which I have heard before, which is very good. Uh, you get Hell on Earth: The Story of Hellraiser Three, which is a making of documentary featuring Peter Atkins and actor Ken Carpenter, who plays the uh, the guy who looks a bit like Lemmy. He doesn't play the guy who looks like Lemmy. He does look a bit like Lemmy. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think... I haven't watched it on this disc, but I think that may be one of the bonus features from the original Leviathan disc. Okay. It's about half an hour long, but it's quite quite interesting. Uh, there's a brand new inter- interview with actress Paula Marshall, who plays uh, Terry in the film. Uh, some Doug, Doug Bradley interview from back in the day. Clive Barker interview trailers uh yeah an archive interview with anthony hickox that's the three films but there's also a bonus disc really called called the clive barker legacy okay which contains clive barker's two short films salome and the forbidden from the 70s um i would recommend lots of hard drugs before you watch that You know what these fi- you know what these filmmakers are like from that era. You know? yeah, yeah. Did you yeah. ever see Toby Hooper's early works? No. Oh no. dearie me. Yeah. I imagine in the sixties it looked fantastic. <laughs> well, <laughs> when you're three three sheets to the wind, I'm sure you look wonderful. Yeah. yeah. They're fine, but I mean they're quite interesting because they've obviously got a few Barker themes in it, and Doug Bradley's in them as well. So you know, it's worth looking at just for those, and they're not very long but uh, you may not return to them very quickly. Um, there's a feature it called Books of Blood and Beyond, the literary works of Clive Barker. Oh, very cool. That is quite good. Uh, author David Gatwood sort of goes through Clive Barker's written work, you know, from the Books of Blood right through to uh, Scarlet Gospels. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's quite interesting. Uh, there's a brand new documentary called Hellraiser Evolutions. Now, this was probably the most interesting thing for me because it looks at the evolution of the franchise from the original film right up into the sequels. Huh. Doesn't really cover um, Revelations, which is probably a good thing. But um, it does mention it. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it interviews people like um, Scott Derrickson, uh, Rick Bota, Tony Randall, Peter Atkins, Doug Bradley. Okay. But yeah, they sort of just delve into the sequels a little bit, really, and sort of go on about how it, the films expanded from the original film. Um, for some reason, they interviewed Stuart Gordon as well. The guy from The Police? No, Stuart Gordon, director of Reanimator. <laughs> the guy from The Police? Just seeing if you're paying attention. <laughs> Never. Yeah, Stuart Gordon from Reanimator as well. He's obviously he's a bit of a, a fan of Hellraiser, so they interview him as well. So uh, yeah, that's quite a good little documentary. Oh, very cool. If uh, if your knowledge of the sequels isn't that great, um, there's also a short film called The Hellraiser Chronicles: A Question of Faith, which was actually a um, what's the word, like a, a a demo for a proposed Hellraiser TV show. 
Interesting. Yeah, you say that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I started looking at it. I didn't watch all of it, to be honest, so I will come back to that. But um, you can see why it never got commissioned. Yeah, yeah, okay, gotcha. Loud yeah. and clear. Loud and clear. But that's basically it, yeah, yeah. And saying there's this massive 200-page book with all sorts of bits and bobs featuring it. So it's a massive set. It really is fantastic. It really does sound like it, to be honest. I mean, I was kind of joking on Twitter about it, but it does sound like it's well worth it. Well, I've just looked on Arrow's website. Uh, the release date is the 26th of October, and afterwards it's got now out of print. So if you can nab one, I would nab one, even if you can't play it. <laughs> just nab one. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. So, yeah, that sort of ends our discussion of the first Hellraiser films really so I suppose we should move on to Hellraiser Inferno uh yeah let's uh oi you know <laughs> don't sound too <laughs> all hell is about to break loose again <laughs> This time, a battle between good and evil has a familiar face. Welcome to hell. Hellraiser Inferno. No! I, I just don't know. You don't know. I, 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 I mean... It was directed by Scott Derrickson, who went on to produ- went on to direct one of my favorite horror movies of the 2000s. Yeah, and I know what you're about to say, and it, I don't agree with you. <laughs> I know, I know. I loved Sinister. Don't care. Loved it. I don't, if I have to be an apologizer for it, I will. But I just, I freaking love that movie. I saw it in the theater. It the theater experience was was what made the movie. It was good. Okay. I really liked it. <laughs> And we won't get your opinion. That's your problem. Yeah. I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, should we, before we carry on, should we just do a couple of little, a little bit of facts on it? Hellraiser Inferno, released in 2000, directed by Scott Derrickson. As we said, yeah, who's in it? Craig Sheffer, who was in Nightbreed, Clive Barker's Nightbreed. Nicholas yes. Otoro, Nicholas James Remar, Doug Bradley, Lindsay Taylor, Matt George... Nicholas Sadler, Noel Evans, and loads of other people we probably never heard of. Uh, the basic plot of this one, um, I'll read this straight off IMDb, is a shady police detective becomes embroiled in a strange world of murder, sadism, and madness after being assigned a murder investigation against a madman knows, known only as the Engineer. Ooh. And we've heard the name Ooh, The Engineer yeah. before. We know who The Engineer is, don't we? Yes, we do. We do. Right then. Go on then, let's hear it. Um, this is one of those reality versus dream movies. It jumps back and forth. It has um, appearances by Pinhead. The, the whole thing with this movie is if you'd taken Pinhead out, it would have been the same movie if you had Pinhead in. It's It seemed like they just, oh, we got to keep the franchise rolling. Uh, Mr. Bradley, get the pinhead gear on. You're going to come in for a few bits and go on about your business. 
And, but, you know, the funny thing is, is that, um, I don't ever get the sense that Bradley ever phones in Pinhead. He always seems when he has to do it, he does it. But I, I just didn't, I didn't care for this one. The ending, ah, you know, it didn't, didn't help the movie at all. Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? I suppose it's worth noting that out of the films we're discussing today, how many, how many we're doing? Is it one, two, five films? Four. Four films? Uh, all but one of them were actually pre-existing scripts that were nothing to do with Hellraiser. Correct. Yes. yes. And this is one of them. Which is why you could take Pinhead out and it would be a movie and put Pinhead in. It's a Hellraiser movie. Yeah. Right. I'm going to shock you now. You liked it. I quite like Hellraiser Inferno, but with reservations. <laughs> Oi. Okay. I think as a film, as a horror film, as a sort of dark crime film, a bit of a sort of noir film, I quite like it. I it could work. I think it's okay. It could work from that. It's As a Hellraiser film, it's utter tripe. There's no need for Pinhead to be in it at all. No. No, no. You could keep the box in it, maybe the puzzle box, because that is sort of important to the character, the main character, because he's a detective who uh, he's obsessed with puzzles. He likes, yeah. to sol- likes to solve puzzles. But there's basically two two scenes with Doug Bradley in. One of them lasts about half a second, where you just see his face. Yes. Uh, somebody opens a door. Boom! There he is, and he's gone. And then at yeah. the end, at the end, when he gives his little speech, that is it. So you could take him out. You could still have the puzzle box. You can still have the, um, I call them pseudo Cenobites because they're not really Cenobites now. Are they? They're just sort of demons. Right. Like the, the two twins and the twin ones who start sort of getting fresh with him. Yeah. Yeah, that that, that was, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. It's weird. And yes, it does sort of link to the Hellraiser style, um, but they don't really play into the plot that much. But you could still keep them in there. But no, there's no need for Hell Ra- Earth for Pinhead to be in this at all. No, no, no reason. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so the plot is basically Craig Sheffer plays uh, Detective Joseph Thorne. He's a corrupt police detective. Uh, he takes drugs, he sleeps with hookers, but and he's obsessed with puzzles. And he basically... Yes. He, yeah. He's been assigned this murder case. There's a, a murderer known as the Engineer who's going around killing all these people. In his investigation, he comes across the puzzle box. Obviously, he solves it, and then something happens which sort of... Uh, how can we put it? Something happens to him that changes the course of his life, basically. And then at the end of the film, when he meets Pinhead, it's one of those, is it real? Isn't it real? Yeah, yeah. Was it all a dream? Was it not a dream? And that's what lets the film down, is that ending. The, it, the, the cowboy hat guys were kind of funny. That was cool. Again, I don't know why that scene was in there. <laughs> I don't either. Other than... The main cowboy hat guy with the six-shooter strapped to his legs um, was his last stop on the Seeking the Engineer train. So I don't know, but it was it was funny because they're all in cowboy hats. It's all goofy, you know. Yeah, he sort of burst into this like um, – it's like a Wild West casino bar, isn't it? All these people dressed up as cowboys. Yep. Yeah, and then he sort of has to – he sees the engineer who's not the engineer that we know and love from the first film. Correct. Because anyone who knows their Hellraiser mythology knows the engineer is the big sort of scorpion-looking thing that chases Kirsty in the first film. Right, right. Uh, this engineer is different. This engineer looks a bit like the Chatterer, but with no features whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, until, you know, we they... get, until we get to the end of the film. 
Yeah, yeah. It's almost like um, they forgot what the engineer looked like, but, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so it's obvious it's a detective story. They've thrown in Pinhead just because they can. They've used the engineer thing because, you know, that throws back to Hellraiser. But it's really... They shoved the box in there. They shoved the box in there. There's some sort of pedophile ice cream man. I don't really know what that was about. Yay. But, um, yeah, but for some reason I quite like it. There are scenes in it that remind me of um, Natural Born Killers. You know, like when he's in the hotel with the hooker? Yep. That reminded me of the bit in uh, Natural Born Killers with... Um, oh, what's the guy's name? Guy who plays the detective. I don't know. I keep trying to forget that movie. No? Don't you like it? Oh, oh God, no. Oh. No. Oh, dear. Add that one on. Tom Sizemore. That's the guy. <laughs> Yeah, that scene with Tom Sizemore with the hooker in the hotel, it just reminds me of that, you know, the corrupt detective doing things he shouldn't be doing. Which I think, you know, I think they were going for a bit of an edge, trying to add a bit of an edge to this film. Again, sure, sure. Some places it works, it's fine. Craig Sheffer's absolutely fine in it. He's not as wooden as he is in Nightbreed. Yeah, and, and you know, Nicholas Turturro turns in a good performance. James Remar does. So, I mean, it's it's just one of those where they just kind of missed the boat. They the they, f- they they took an existing script that was probably very good. They inserted Pinhead, had to change a few things, and then it just ended up being kind of a hodgepodge collection of stuff. Yeah. I can imagine that nobody on the film knew what the fil- what they were actually filming. I could imagine that myself. I imagine they were all just handed a script, basically, when they turned up in the morning. <laughs> just when, and everyone said, right, just read your lines, and then we'll put it all together in post. That's right. Which is probably what happened, really, but... (laughs) Probably. But as just a film on its own, I can sit and watch it and sort of come away from it and go, yeah, it's all right. You know, there's a bit of of blood in there, there's a bit of sex in there, there's a bit of action in there. I have a uh, very hard time divorcing myself that it could be done without Pinhead. I always look at it through that Hellraiser screen and it just... I, I can't get past that. Oh, yeah, I can understand that completely, yeah. In the Hellraiser canon, it's it's probably the least out of all of them because it's nothing to do with anything we've seen before or after. It's all uh, it's a bit it's a bit like Nightmare on Elm Street too. It just sort of stands on its own, away from everything else. And that comment you just made, we could apply that to Hellseeker as well. <laughs> well, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, for different reasons. But yeah, differences. Hellraiser Inferno is enjoyable. Yeah. Okay. I think. I think you. Okay. Oh, I think I, I think I'm a bit more keen on it than you, but. Um, I I think you're right. I mean, I I think it's still a five out of ten film. I think. I would give it a five out of ten. I think it's, a, but it's it's you know it, it's well made. It looks nice. I think you, I think you can see Scott Derrickson's potential there. He's gone on to do other. Oh, abs- absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I mean, it's got it's got that uh, that dark fantasy, dark you know side to it that isn't just as fully developed as it should be. It's more hodgepodgey, but you can definitely see that, okay, the guy who did this, yeah, he's going to, he could do something. Yeah. Absolutely. Agreed. It feels like it's got a bit of weight to it. Yeah. You know, it feels like a proper film. (laughs) Exactly. But, uh, yeah, okay. So we are going to have to come up with a better scoring system, aren't we? We are. I don't just like doing out of ten. Until we come up with something, we'll have to, I suppose. (laughs) That's right. I'll give it... Five puzzle boxes out of ten. I would go four and a half to five puzzle boxes out of ten. Okay. Well, we'll put that one to bed then. We'll, we won't go on about that one anymore. 
That was Hellraiser Inferno. Uh, right, coming next, uh, a bit of a change of uh, attack is Hellraiser Hellseeker. Welcome to the worst nightmare of all reality. Which do you find more exhilarating? It's getting hot in here. The pleasure. It's perfect. I prefer pain. Well, what do you think? Two thousand and two. That's the one. Directed by Rick Boda, who actually will do the next three films. Yes, didn't he just? Yeah, yep. We got Doug, got, we got Doug Bradley. We got Ashley Lawrence in this one. Oh, plus others, others, other people we haven't heard of. That's <laughs> yeah. Okay. We got Dean Winters. I think he's done a couple of things. His face looks familiar. Jody Thompson, Karen DeSilva, William S. Taylor. Yeah, and no one else I know. The the guy who plays her husband, Dean Winters. Yes, he actually does TV over here. So I've, I mean, I recognized him right away. Yeah, I've seen him in a couple of things. I've seen him yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. He's one yeah, of he those. did he did some early Law and Order, which is pretty big over here. SVU. So yeah, yeah, we get that over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I will say before we get into the plot, well, if there is one, that um, I think Hellraiser Hellseeker has the best DVD cover at the lot. I don't know if I have an original. Oh. Well, have you got a different oh, Well, the problem is, is all of the sequels I don't own. I own them on four packs or six packs. Ah, right. I get you, yes. So, you know, it's just it's got just a pin, generic pinhead cover. It's the one with pinhead's face, but it's sort of in a red mist on a black background. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah it pops up before the movie starts. Yeah, but I love that picture. It's a good picture. It is a really good picture. Uh, shame it's no indication of what's inside. <laughs> you know, and before I started, I looked up who directed it, and I looked at some of his credits. Uh, House on Hunted Hill remake, uh, Demon Knight, which which I liked. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. It's a good, good soundtrack. Yep. And then they did. he did, you know, Barbed Wire, which, <laughs> again, I, I've seen that, and I, I just can't unsee it he also, um, he also did blood fist 3 forced to fight oh or forced to watch as the case may be yeah um so he's but he's done a couple of things my, my expectations for this were were very good <laughs> uh but i think i think this one suffers the same fate as the last one pinhead didn't need to be in this this was a script all by itself hmm and they shoved Pinhead in. They got Ashley Lawrence to come back and make an appearance to, I don't know, attempt to legitimize it maybe? Yeah. Uh, but in the end, it's two stories. It's about the husband and the wife, and then there's this little Hellraiser thing going on on the side. Yeah. Uh, did you want a, a little plot synopsis? Yeah. I'll, again, I'll read off IMDb because I can't find the words myself. It's <laughs> a shady businessman attempts to piece together the details of the car crash that killed his wife and rendered him an amnesiac 
and left him in possession of a sinister puzzle box that summons monsters. So there you go. That's right. Well, Trevor is the shady businessman, and his wife is Kirsty, a returning Ashley Lawrence from the first two films. That's right. Which is a reason to get excited until you actually watch the film. That's correct. Because she's she's hardly in it. As is Doug Bradley, hardly in it. Um, I don't know about this one. It's one of those... I really want to like it because I think they could have done something with it, with with Kirsty coming back and whatever. Yeah. But, but I don't know. It's it's just boring, this one, isn't it? Yeah, God. It It's horribly boring. It's boring. <laughs> the only scene that's noteworthy is when Kirsty finally confronts with Pinhead. And in the actual ver- the f- version of the film, they cut out most of that scene. Did you know that? I did not know that. If you get one of the DVD versions, I've got two DVD versions. I've got an American disc, and I think I've got a British disc, and I don't think it's on the British disc. I can't remember. How how the heck does the movie work if they cut most of that out? There is a dialogue between the two of them when Frank and Larry are referred to. Okay. Cursed has come into the family money, obviously, because the two brothers have died. Yeah. Um, And I think that plays into it somewhere. But... um, I haven't, to be honest, I haven't watched that scene for a long time, but it's just an extended scene. But they cut most of the dialogue out, so what you see in the final film is a brief mention of, oh, your family's secrets or something like that, and that's about it. Right, 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 right. But there is a little bit more. I don't know why they cut it out, because it, it although it doesn't make the film any better overall, it still adds a little bit of something. Right, right. At least to the Hellraiser parts of this. Yeah. Of which there aren't very many. Um, no, no, no. Uh, there's the usual attempt at some sort of crass sex scenes with uh, Trevor and his female boss. Yeah. Uh, didn't get what that was about. Uh, there's Trevor and his neighbour and that type of thing. Um, it's just weird, isn't it? Yeah. If they had left all the Hellraiser bits out and, and you know got away from some of the obviously unworking chemistry in the uh, sex scenes... Yeah. The, the concept and the idea and the little reveal at the end, all that would have been cool. Well, that's it. But, and if they had just smoothed over that uh, that no chemistry thing, taken out the Hellraiser bits, um, it's not a bad little plot. No, but there's no, there's no direction to it. No. It's a very flat film. It is. And I think they made it flat because they had to inter- interpose Hellraiser bits in there to keep it going. Yeah, but... Again, I mean, unlike Inferno, I think... I mean, Inferno, you can take Pinhead out and still have the same film. and still have a decent film, maybe even a slightly better film. Right. But I think with this one, you're waiting for the bits with Pinhead because there's nothing else in between. Well, I would actually... I would actually disagree a little more on this one. I think there is a lot in between, and it kind of all comes together at the end. you got to hang with it, but... Um... Oh, yeah, it comes together at the end in a more satisfying way than the, the last film did. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll give it that. But, but I think we could I think we could agree neither Mr. Bradley nor Miss Lawrence could save this one. No, no. This was, uh, again, just a very flat... It's more of a thriller than a horror film, but there's not that many thrills in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, Trevor presents his wife with the puzzle box to get her to open it. She obviously knows what's going to happen. He doesn't. Pinhead arrives, does a little speech, <laughs> and all's well that ends well, basically. Yeah, exactly. Everybody gets what's coming to them. Yep. In the in a sort of unspectacular way, but yeah, like it, it it does come together. It does 
it ties up all the loose ends that the film sort of had at the beginning. But, you know, if I never watched it again, it really wouldn't bother me. A bad to that. Yeah, it's just... Agreed. It's just a missed opportunity, I think. Yep. And I think I would even give this one probably only three and a half stars. I'm going to go a little less. I'm going to go with a a three. A three puzzle boxes? Three puzzle boxes out of ten. There we go. That's right. And I'd go three and a, and I'd go three and a half because I like the ending. Because you like the ending, okay. Fair enough. There you go. Fair enough. All right, let's move on then to Hellraiser Deader, or Hellraiser Deader. Whoever you are, you were meant to find me today. There is no turning back, and above all, don't open the box. Released in 2005, again directed by Rick Bota. Well, Rick Bota turned up. I don't know whether he directed much of it. Um, starring, I'll see if I can murder this name, Carrie Wurra, Paul Reese, Simon Kunz, careful how you say that, uh, Mark Warren, who is a, a British actor who many people will know, um, Doug Bradley, they're the main people really. And I think out of the three, Doug Bradley made the least appearances in this one, correct? Uh, yeah. Probably, but um, yeah, I think his appearances are more welcome when they do happen. So the plot of this one is a undercover journalist goes to, I presume it's Romania or somewhere like that. I can't remember where. Romania. I only watched it yesterday. Um, <laughs> she goes to, uh, we'll say Romania, and uh, to investigate a cult of kids who um, basically kill themselves and then get brought back to life by a their leader, whose name for some reason is Winter, who's played by Paul Rees. Obviously, she she finds a puzzle box at some point, and which brings Pinhead into the picture. Um, and yeah, lots of hilarity ensues. What do you think of this one? It just utter shite. <laughs> I, I I can't. I watched it yesterday. Attempted to find some redeeming factor. I couldn't. I I just just did not personally care for this movie at all. Pass. Well, that told me. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm going to be a little different to you on this one. I do not think this is a very good film, like you say, but I think out of all of the post-Bloodline sequels, it's the one with the most potential. I think the actual story does lend itself to that Hellraiser world very well. The idea of people killing themselves and then being brought back to life. Out of all the sequels, it fits in the best with the, the mythos, for sure. Even though it's clearly not written as a Hellraiser film. No. It plays into the, but it's just not done very well. All the things that happen in it, it's too vague. None of it feels connected. Yep. And it, it feels like there's two or three different things going, plot lines going on in the film that just do not tie up. They try and connect it to the uh, the history of the puzzle box with the character of Winter, because it's insinuated that he's related to the... Um, Le Marchand. Le Marchand bloodline. Uh, again, that's something that could have been developed. Um, I could act 
totally see that playing into it because he plays a sort of um, cult, the cult leader, not not I was going to say like a Manson-esque leader. He's not really a Charles Manson type cult leader. He's a bit more mystical than that. But um, that's sort of the character that he's playing. So I could see that playing into the Hellraiser thing very well. The main actress, Carrie Wurra, Wurra is that how you pronounce it? Wurra, Wurra? Yeah, okay. Whatever. I think she's great. Agree. Th- she's the best thing in the film. She's very much a heroine. I say heroine. She's not the villain, so I suppose it makes her a heroine. In the same vein as Ashley Lawrence in the first two films. Agreed. Worth looking for her- at for her. It's a shame they couldn't have put her in a better film. If she'd have been put into Hellraiser 3, I think, as the journalist in that one, that would have been made that film a hundred times better. Yes. So she's great. Doug Bradley pops up, of course, and sort of fires a few chains at people. Again, underutilised. No real need for him to be there. Had they developed the um, the character of Winter a bit more so we could associate him with, with the puzzle box more, it would have had more resonance. But it just feels like half an idea that somebody threw together. Yeah, but if you utilize the puzzle box more with another character, what's the editor going to do? He's the guy who keeps the puzzle box thing going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It just it, – it didn't just say no to this one. No, uh, I'm going to – I prefer it to the last one. I prefer it to Hellseeker. Really? Yeah, I think – I'd rather watch Hellseeker. I think the lead actress is the thing that pushes it up there for me because she's – I can understand. She's quite good to watch. She's got a, yep. a, a, a thing about her that I don't know what what the word is, but she's got uh, she's got plenty of spunk, shall we say? Yes, agreed. <laughs> in the in the proper sense of the word, obviously. Um, but yeah, she's great. Uh, so Doug Bradley appears. Uh, it's good when he's on screen, but he's not on the screen enough. The two Cenobites that appear with him uh, look like they've come out of Hellraiser Inferno, to be honest. Yep. Again. A missed opportunity could have been something, but it wasn't. So I'm going to give this one um, three and a half puzzle boxes out of ten. I I would go two puzzle boxes only based on the lead actress and the fact that it wasn't a stupid dream sequence or flashback centered. No, but they are in there somewhere. I know, but not as much as the first two. No, no, no. Okay. Right. (laughs) On to the next one then. Ooh. Hellra- Ooh. Ooh, Hellraiser Hellworld! Da da da! You open the box, and your soul belongs to me. Me. You're not the first to say that. No! I'm going to a real life secret hell world party. <laughs> Welcome, Hellraiser. Invitations. But if you need anything, just scream. Two thousand and five. Yes, this was filmed back to back with Deader. 
Yes, it was. It was. So, um, uh, directed by Rick Boter again? Yep. Yep. Starring Doug uh, Bradley. And? And, ooh, Lance Henriksen. That's right. Ooh, we got a proper actor. <laughs> we do. And, and, <laughs> and Henry Cavill. I don't know if I know Henry. The guy who played Superman in Man of Steel. Really? Yeah. I did not pay attention to that, but now I see it. Okay. He, play, he plays Mike, yes. One of his younger yep, roles. Yep. No one else of any note except for, if you're from the UK, Victor Maguire, who plays the police officer. Okay. He's been in a few things over here. Uh, he was also in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, one of the Scousers with the curly hair in that film. But, uh, yeah, he's a familiar face on British telly. Uh, but, yeah, no one else of any note. Um, right, the plot of this one is about gamers playing a game based on the Hellraiser franchise find their lives endangered after being invited to a rave whose host intends to show them the truth behind the Cenobite mythos and that is a plot that sounds a lot better than it really is now now I'm going to say I like this one the best out of all of them I'm glad you said that but (laughs) with reservations (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah that last bit that they tacked onto the movie Mm. absolutely just shat on the whole thing if they had just left it right is that the right 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 after at the at the mansion and not move to the motel room scene it would have been really good is that the bit where the cenobites appear and they kill the remaining survivor with their big large weapons the remaining survivor. Well, I'm trying to... Oh, fuck it, I'll spoil it. Yeah, when they kill Lance Henriksen. Yes, yes. If they had left that bit out, it would have been a rock-solid movie. Right. Here's where I'm going to disagree with you. I think that's the best bit. <laughs> it's the worst... <laughs> oh, it's the worst bit. It's the most Hellraiser bit of the whole thing. I could argue differently. Well, you could, but you'd be wrong. No, I wouldn't. I'd <laughs> be right. <laughs> It's a right. Okay, let's go into right. Let's start off. Right, this film is, <laughs> I believe, the word is meta, in the same way that Halloween Resurrection. You know, they played that reality show in that one where Michael Myers was a real thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This is what Hell Hell World tries to do, and it does. And it, it does really to a does. point. The people in the film are aware of the Hellraiser mythos. Yes. They go to this party. They well, one of one of their number has died, has killed himself. Uh, so they're all upset, but they all still play this game anyway. They get invited to this rave at this big mansion, hosted by uh, Lance Henriksen, who proceeds to guide them through the house and tell them about all the different bits and bobs and this, that, and the other. Blah 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 blah. At some point, people start dying. Pinhead appears. The police show up. They can't see anything, and then we find out why they can't see anything, and that is the biggest bollocks of the whole film why do you say that the film makes no sense if you actually if you actually follow through the lance henriksen character's plot his reasons for doing what he's doing it just doesn't make any sense who called the police that was part of her flashback hallucination (laughs) she she actually she actually called the police with her phone Hmm. The phone she was buried with. Yes, locked. They lo- they locked it on a signal, but you don't know that till the end. I, and... did, I, I didn't know that after the end. 
Really? I thought they pointed that out that she called, or was it some mysterious call? No, it's not, it, it's never revealed who called the police. Oh, Lord, help me. I thought she did, but, you know. No. <laughs> and then you start getting into question, well, how can these people be doing the things they're doing because they're all buried? And how does that person know that person's dead when they're buried? And they don't. It's what it all comes down to is you have to accept the premise that he gave them this hallucination drug and that they're doing a entire two-hour movie of shared – I mean of complimentary hallucinations. All right. It's uh... – And I think it's one of those movies that either it clicks with you or it doesn't. There is absolutely no middle ground. But – for all of the actual nonsensical bollocks that happens in this film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there's a lot of it. I quite enjoy watching it. It's not bad. It, it's not as painful as the first three for me. The first, yeah. three, we, the first three we've just talked about, you mean, not the first three Hellraiser yes. films. <laughs> oh, God, yes. Jeez, oh, Pete. But yeah, I mean, this one is definitely the most watchable one. I did not fast forward through any of it. It's more watchable than the last two, definitely. I don't know if I prefer it to Inferno. But, yeah, if you put this on, turn your brain off, pretend that no other Hellraiser films exist, it's quite a fun slasher film. Yeah. In the same way that the later Halloween sequels are. You know, they're fuck all to do with John Carpenter's original film, but they're still quite fun. (laughs) Yes, 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 exactly, exactly. Don't think about the plot, because at the end, when you discover what Lance Henriksen's character's done, which is basically bury people with mobile phones... Correct. But they're all having hallucinations, and it must be a joint hallucination, because how can they all be thinking the same thing? I mean, you have to subscribe to the premise that they're not. That what what they do is they try and cobble each person's personal hallucination into one story to make it look like they're having shared hallucinations, when in fact... All they're doing is just switching back and forth between people. Yeah. But if you can't if you can't accept that premise, you're just sunk. <laughs> accept the premise that they actually made this film before anyone had finished the script. <laughs> it it, it can kind of show. It kind of shows. Um, it is. I mean, it's it's pretty much the definition of a car crash film. You know, it, it is so bad it's good. In a lot of ways, yes. In a lot of ways, yes. You know, you will be entertained by it. There is lots of killing in it. There's lots of gore. Uh, it's got more sex in it than the fast few films have. That all that all of them combined. Yeah. Uh, you've got Lance Henriksen, who, you know, he's got to earn a living. Hey, you got to admit, Lance Henriksen plays the great creepy dude host. Oh, yeah, he does. He's great in it. He's going yeah. to, you know, and Doug Bradley pops up again as Pinhead, uh, shoves a stake into somebody's throat, which is not something Pinhead would do normally. Yeah, you know. But, um, yeah, as a totally mindless slasher film, I have a lot of fun with it. A- absolutely. It is, an, it is an absolutely great slasher film. Uh, I can't imagine Clive Barker thinks along those lines if he ever watches it. <laughs> yeah, not, not great, but it, it, it works as a slasher for sure. Yeah, you know, if you were going to have a marathon of bad slasher sequels, Halloween Resurrection, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, and this, it it would be a fun evening. No, it wouldn't. Drop that that TNG thing. No, that can't even... (laughs) 
I'd sooner watch Hellraiser remakes or uh, these sequels than that piece of all shit right. ever again. All right, let's say Halloween Resurrection. Yes. Part five. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street five. Um, let's go one more. What's what's the Jason one? Let's. Oh, Jason takes Manhattan. How about that? There you go. And this. Uh, that's a fun evening of complete drivel. Yes, agree. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. But I did like this one, probably the best out of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, I'm not sure whether I prefer this or Inferno, because I do quite like Inferno. Yeah. But, I don't know. But that end scene, with Lance Henriksen getting sliced in half, yeah, it's pretty badly done. The CGI isn't great. But to me, that's the most Hellraiser bit of the whole film. Well, Agreed. Absolutely. Well, Hellraiser in terms of Pinhead and what Pinhead does. Yeah. But you know, the 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 bits and bobs in the house were were very Hellraiser ish. Um, you know, the obsession with the all that kind of thing was, you know, it 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 fit in well to with me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of them films. You know, if if it's eleven o'clock at night, you sat down, you go through the telly channels. Don't want to go to bed yet. Oh, Hell World's on. Yeah, I'll sit and watch that for a bit. Yeah, exactly. And you'll have a bit of fun with it. it exactly, and then you'll be asleep ten minutes later. No yeah. problem. Yeah, I can't imagine what Clive Barker thought when he first saw it, though. If he has seen it, I, of course. I, I don't know. Poor Clive. <laughs> Poor Clive is all I can say. Seeing your work of art going down that toilet. <laughs> <laughs> which leads, Which leads us nicely into the next one. Oh god 2011 2000. hellraiser revelations or as i like to call it the sort of tried to attempt to do a reboot or rebake are we rolling yes can you get a shot of downtown la before we before we say goodbye to it forever bye la this is gonna be an epic journey there is no better buzz then a tequila bus. That is true. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. I'm gonna take her home. She's gonna be my souvenir. <sighs> what did you do? I don't know, okay? I don't know what happened, okay? She hit her head or something. I don't know. This will take you beyond the limits. How much do you want for it? It's yours already. There you go. Your way's wide. get it you guys never talk about steven and nico emma please what please forget that i had a brother please forget that my boyfriend disappeared with him what is on that video camera shut up ah! it's steven it's an earth. Oh everyone just stay calm <laughs> This is this is this is the tribute album, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's the cover band that just can't quite get it done. Yeah, it's 
Right, yeah. Directed by Bugs Bunny. No, it's not. It's directed by Victor Garcia. Right. Who... I don't know who that is. <laughs> it's written by... I... Oh, go on. Do you know who he is? No, I don't know who he is. Oh. Is, Unfortunately. He the... is he related to Jerry Garcia from The Grateful Dead? I don't think so. No, I've just looked at his photo. No, he's not. Right. Okay. Directed by Victor Garcia. Written, funnily enough, by Gary J. Tunnicliffe. Who has worked on every Hellraiser film since Bloodline as a special effects guy? Really? Yes. Uh, so the writers, the people who own Dimension, obviously went to him and said, "Look, we're going to lose this franchise. Um, you know, we've treated it like shit for the past few years, but we don't want to lose it. Can you make us a film for no money in about an hour?" Yes, that's exactly right. And they did, and Hellraiser Revelations is the uh, result, because most notably, there's no Doug Bradley in it. Correct. But Pinhead's in it. And Nailhead. How can this be? <laughs> the, what is it? The, the common story is, he looked at the script, didn't say it was bad, just unfinished, and declined to do it. That's At least that's the common legend, if you will. He addresses it in that uh, Hellraiser, docu- Hellraiser Evolutions documentary. Really? Yes. Do tell. Doug Bradley was shown the script, and he declined. He said that the money they were offering him wouldn't have afforded him a new fridge. Really? Yeah, and a new fridge over here is probably, what, a couple of hundred quid? 300 quid, so not. <laughs> That's right. You guys use small fridges, right? You don't use, like, we got these massive ones here. Oh, I didn't think of that. He could have been thinking of an American fridge. Even so, that's still not a lot of money, really. So, yeah, basically, uh, he wasn't offered very much money. He didn't like the script and said no. Gotcha. So, the person playing Pinhead is a chap called Stephen Smith Collins. Now, this guy gets a lot of flack because he's playing pinhead and he's not doug bradley poor guy i mean you you feel bad for anyone right i'm gonna jump to his defense here no he doesn't do a very good job but we've got eight films of doug bradley in that role to to compare him to but look at it this way if you were a jobbing actor and someone came to you and said we've got you a role in the new hellraiser film oh yeah who am i playing then yeah you're playing pinhead who wouldn't do it of course exactly you just think well you know you can make or break it really couldn't you i mean it could have been fantastic and made him the new horror legend couldn't it yes fucking didn't but i mean it could have <laughs> until you show up and you realize they're going to make it in an hour hmm. <laughs> i remember years ago i saw an interview with um vinnie Apice, the drummer from okay. uh, from black sabbath yeah yep yep uh, guy replaced bill ward and i remember him yep. him saying that when he joined black sabbath he wasn't sure about it because obviously you're replacing big shoes if you like you're filling big shoes yep and he thought, well, you know, I don't know if I can do this. And then their first tour with him was started off in Hawaii. So he had to fly to Hawaii. And he was like, oh, no, no. Well, if the plane crashes, at least I'm the drummer of Black Sabbath. I could die a semi-legend. Yeah, that's right. And I thought, well, yeah, that's what this guy's got. You know, I'll be the role of Pinhead. You know, if it fails, fuck it, I've played Pinhead. I imagine right. that's what he's thinking. I would anyway. But... While he is the physical Pinhead, he's not the voice of Pinhead. Did you know that? I did not know that. No, somebody else does the voice. Fred Tataschiori, who may not mean out to you. Apparently he's a American voice actor and stand-up comedian. Still doesn't mean anything to me. No, he's done voices on Family Guy, Scooby-Doo, Star Wars, Clone Wars, Robot Chicken, Ben 10, which I know, Wolverine and the X-Men. A lot of cartoon stuff. Okay. 
it, you know, and it's funny because some of those uh, voice actors can have quite loyal followings, especially like in the anime world. Yeah, oh yeah. lord, they they got huge, they got fan clubs. That's it. Yeah. But it, you know, it, you only got to appear in The Simpsons or something like that, haven't you? And, uh, yeah, yeah. He was in, he done voices in Beowulf as well, a couple of Garfield things, some Hulk stuff. Batman Under the Red Hood. I will say this. His voice did not work in this movie. No. It's that first line he says when he goes, you tried to summon us? He's not a witch. <laughs> Sounds like the witch from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, it just, it doesn't work. No. This is, um, somebody got the Hellraiser original script out and just redid it, but did it in the same way. I yeah, mean, it's got the elements of the original Hellraiser in it. Right. The one thing this film does have in its favour over the last four films, it is an original Hellraiser story. It's not an existing script that was jigged around to insert. Pin sure, it was. It was the original Hellraiser <laughs> script they jigged around. Well, no, it's not. Basically, Chris. What? Chris. What? You got a dead person. Another person killing people so he can drink their blood to come back to life. Yes, I know, but... Kill, kill, kills that person, comes back as him, and does this crazy thing with the house hostages and weird shit. I am not going to suggest that this film has <laughs> anything to do with Clive Barker's original script for Hellraiser. Other than somebody ripped it off. Gary J. Tunnicliffe, who I've got a lot of respect for because he has worked on all the films since Bloodline. Yeah, you know, yeah. He, and he's in um, Deader as well. Okay. You know when uh, the main girl goes to her office after she's been to that drugs den at the beginning and she's chatting to some guy who tries to hit on her? Yes. With blonde hair. That's him. That's Gary J. Tunnicliffe. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, because he, he's in that Evolutions documentary as well. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, you've got to sort of say, okay, right, they've tried to keep it going here um, only for the reason that Dimension can keep the rights. Oh, right, right. It's an abortion of a film. It really is. Why do they always go to Tijuana? <laughs> They always everybody goes to Tijuana. How all, much, all they need to do is stick Danny Trejo in there for real for Mexican <laughs> authenticity. Oh shit! They should have done that. Missed opportunity. I'd have watched it then. <laughs> hey, Danny Trejo is pinhead, but only like for the top up. You know, leave his chest and everything else. Oh, I think skin, it, skin color. It'd have made a good chatterer, I think. <laughs> and, and so they they always go to Tijuana, which is so cliche. And then, what's with this nailhead guy? Really? Yeah, it's like Pinhead's training up a little Pinhead, isn't it? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. Oh, gosh, it's just, uh, it's just bad. It's bad all the way around. It's not even a plot, isn't it? You know, it's two, two lads go off to Tijuana for sex and drugs and all that sort of stuff. They find the puzzle box, one of them disappears, and then it magically appears at the parents' house sometime later, and nobody questions it. Uh, um, Pinhead turns, oh, it's some dribble bollocks, I don't know. I, I will say this. The first time that I watched it about four months ago when we talked about Hellraiser. Yeah. It was the first time I'd seen it. So I've only been seen it recently. Yeah. And I thought, holy shit, they're going to do a found footage Hellraiser movie. And I thought, what <laughs> in the holy hell have they gotten into? <laughs> it's not found footage. It just looks shit. Well, but that first – the first five minutes of the movie is all this found footage stuff. And I thought, oh my god, what have they done? What have they gotten themselves into? It quickly, I was uh, at least saved from that. But it just – it, it just – Oi. Yeah. It, it was obvious that they had to keep the franchise. They had to do something. Gather over the weekend. Let's make a movie. 
had to do something. What you do is you pay somebody the right amount of money to write a script that everybody's on board with, and then you put it into production. That's that's what you do. Yeah, well, apparently not Dimension. No. So that's Hellraiser Revelations. Yeah. Just over an hour long. It's not very long at all, which is good. Out of all of the post number four, out of all of those, this is Pinhead and the Cenobites are in there the longest. And they yes. certainly tried the hardest to make the connections. Yeah. Again, I mean, that, that goes back to what I'm saying. It is an original-ish story. It's not something that was pre-existing. And there is that attempt to make it at least look like the first Hellraiser. Yes. But that's it. it it looks bad. It's badly acted. The story's all over the place. Uh, oh, yeah, it's crap. Uh, I'm going to give it one puzzle box out of ten. Agreed. Yeah. It just, yeah. You know, and I got to think, all the people associated with this project, they thought, holy shit, I'm going to be in a Hellraiser movie. It could work. It could work. And I, I imagine everybody went in with high hopes, and then it just kind of went, oh. Yeah, I mean... Uh, say so if you were a jobbing actor and your agent said I've got a job for you on the new Hellraiser film, of course you're going to take it. Hell yeah! No, unless your name's Doug Bradley. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Right, okay. Shall we order the films and what we think? Going right back to the yeah. beginning, and then I've got a little bit of discussion about some extra Hellraiser stuff. Yes, let's order them. Okay, so which is your favourite? Uh, number one. Yeah, number one. Then number two. Yes. Yeah. Then I'm going with number four. Exactly. Um, agree. Then number three. Then number three, now it gets interesting. <laughs> so we're agreed on those first four. Yes. Right. I'm going to go with Inferno next. And I would go with Hellworld over Inferno. Okay. I would then go with Hellworld. And I'd go with Inferno. So there we go. We've swapped them two over. <laughs> That's right. Now we're going to get tricky. I'm then going to say Deader. Nope. I'd go with Hellseeker. Ah, then I'd go Hellseeker. Deader. And we both agree that the last one is, of course, the last one. Is Revelation. So, yeah. Yeah. We're not far too far off track then, are we? No, no, we're close. Which is unusual for us, because usually we sometimes differ very wildly on opinions. Yes, we do go in some really wild directions. We do. <laughs> right, a couple of Hellraiser extras then. Have you seen um, the No More Souls film? No. On YouTube. It's a um, fan-made film, Well, but it's made by um, Gary Tunnicliffe. Nope, but I'm writing it down. It's on YouTube. He basically plays a very old pinhead. Okay. Um, who's sort of lamenting during his final, uh, the final days of the world, so to speak. Okay. It's quite, quite interesting. All right. Quite a nice concept. Have a look at that. What else was I going to mention? Oh, yeah. The remake. The alleged remake. Alleged remake. What do we think of that? If Clive Barker doesn't have his name attached to it, I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I'm a bit like that as well. I, I mean, it'll fall into the remake trap. Basically, the proposed remake that's been going on for about five years now is going to be written by Clive Barker. He's going to star Doug Bradley, uh, and he, he sort of makes a little nod towards that in that documentary as well. Okay. Just a little comment he makes at the end where he sort of says, oh, this isn't the last time I'm going to talk about this sort of thing. But that's all we know. Hmm. Okay. But again, I, if, if, if Doug Bradley's not in it and if Clive Barker's not involved... It's, I suppose, it could be possibly okay. I, I just, I don't know. It depends whether they're going to retell the, the Frank Larry Julia story as well, or whether they're going to do like a, a slightly different origin story of the box or something like that. Right. I don't think people would t 
tolerate a slightly different origin story. It's the Lament configuration. It always should be. It's the Marchand box. It always should be. So you think a retelling of the Frank Larry Julia thing? See, this is the problem is I can't imagine anything other than that. But I suppose you could do the Frank Julia story and mix it up a bit. I don't know. I think if they were to do it, maybe keep Pinhead in the background like they did in the first film. Don't bring him to the front and make him your Freddy Krueger figure. I don't know if you'll be able to do that now. but In the Nightmare remake, they spent a lot of time on the backstory of Freddy Krueger. Yeah. That's potential. They've got some Clive Barker material to draw from in the Scarlet Gospels. Yes. It could work. It could. And I, I, it could work. And as Scott Derrickson has matured, you may not think so, but as he's matured as a filmmaker to me, he might be one that would work well with it since he's already done one. I've never questioned his talent. It's just I didn't like Sinister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if, if Clive Barker's not going to direct it, which, let's face it, he's not. Yeah, he's yeah, he's going to be doing that sort of stuff. Then you need to have a director who I don't just I don't just want, but, you know not up to me i don't think they should do this thing where they're just getting directors for hire someone who shot a music video that looked quite good 20 years ago to come on board and do it you know yeah they need to put some thought into it you know they need to have a director who's going to come in and say right here's what i think we should do with this you know and work with clive barker in setting it up right a, dir- a director right. who's got a vision and a, and a style because i think that's that, that's part of it is the style of hellraiser has gone i mean i know clive barker only directed one of them but i mean Tony Randall and Peter Atkins and the other guys who followed when the the first couple of sequels they were still there on the first film so they carried it on. Yes, the style stylistically those first four you know you could see the big break. They tried to do it in Inferno and then just abandon it and the rest of them. Yeah, I think they should give it to Rob Zombie. <laughs> no, that's a joke. Okay, <laughs> I thought you were serious. I thought you were serious for a second. I'm thinking. Well, no, he did. He did spend a lot of time on Michael Myers' background. He might be the perfect person to do it, but I can't tell if Chris is kidding or not. No, I, I think Hellraiser needs to have a bit more polish than what Rob Zombie can uh, can bring to it. But um, as much as I love Rob Zombie, and I do, and I still would love to see Rob Zombie do a Friday the Thirteenth film. Oh, I think he could do Jason some oh. justice. Oh, that would be good. Let's face it, especially in Friday the 13th 2, Jason is a hillbilly. You know, he's a, he's a hillbilly living in the woods. You know, what could Rob Zombie do with that? Oh, don't give him Michael Myers. Give him Jason. That would be that would be good. Mm-hmm. That could be really good because he's got that real gritty, dirty, slimy kind of way of doing movies that give a, a polished yet grindhouse feel. Yeah, he could do really well with that. Of course he could. You could have Leslie Easterbrook as Mrs. Voorhees. That would work. Come on. It's there. That would work. It is. It is there. You heard it here first. Yeah. Let's get Rob on board. Get him on the blower. (laughs) Yeah, I'll just phone him up. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, back to Hellraiser. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, nobody springs to mind, really, as to who could do a Hellraiser film justice. But, you know, the people I like at the moment, I don't know if Hellraiser is the right material. You know, the problem is, is the shoes that you're filling are pretty massive because we haven't had a a remake yet. No. We've had Friday the 13th, we've had Halloween, we've had Nightmare on Elm Street. So we've had some big remakes that Hmm. 
we've seen people have been split on. Friday the 13th, okay. The Nightmare on Elm Street one, <laughs> Halloween, <laughs> out of them, Halloween is probably the better one. Yeah. But, you know, we've all got the history. This one hasn't been touched. We've seen the remakes, and it's tough. It's almost getting to be legend status at this point of trying to do a remake. Yeah, but would you rather a remake than another sequel? Not necessarily. Right script, right director, sequel could be awesome. But then you've got to get Doug Bradley back. You do. You've got to pay him more than a fridge. Give him more than a fridge. Give him a script. Yes, a good one. Have a quality filmmaker behind it. What do you think they're going to do with Scarlet Gospels? We had this discussion last time. I know. <laughs> I've just spent hours editing that. I don't know. I think I don't think they'll do one whole Scarlet Gospels film, but I would like to see elements of it into a Hellraiser film. There's your sequel. Oh yeah, but again, you've got to have you've got to have the filmmaker who's got the balls to do it. You've got to have a studio who's willing to back it. Because let's be honest, it's not going to get a lot of mainstream coverage, is it? I don't know. It could. It could. But, you know, it could. While all these um, uh, studios are pumping out these paranormal activity sequels <laughs> and sinister shite sequels <laughs> and melty ghost face with the horrible black eye sequels that teen 12 year olds go to the cinema and go, oh, it's the scariest thing I've ever seen. Now, you know, while they're making millions of pounds off of that, who's going to say, right, we'll give Clive Barker $20 million or whatever. Go and make Scarlet Gospels. <laughs> I don't know. It's not going to happen. I know. You know, it, it, it just comes down to if somebody's willing to take a chance and put their money where their mouth is, then yes, it could be done, and it would be fantastic to see it. But yeah, I know it's a big ask. I don't know. Uh, it's a big ask. Let's be honest; it really is. Yeah, but there we go. What can you do? Well, I think that brings our discussion of the Hellraiser franchise to a close. Yes. I don't know what we're going to be doing next time, do you? I don't know. No. no. Oh, we'll leave it hanging in the air then for everyone to discover. <laughs> Yeah, well, our one listener can discover it next time. <laughs> that one listener being me, because I downloaded it at work and played it back to me, to me boss. Yeah. yeah, we probably won't know till about five minutes till we record what we're going to be doing. Probably. As, as is usual. So I think for the moment we should close this one down. Make sure, everyone, you go over to ancientslumber.wordpress.com and see what we're reviewing over there. Do click on the links to other work tab and have a scroll down because that's been added to all the time. Um, by the time this podcast goes out, my full written review of the Arrow Video Hellraiser box set will be up there as well. So I think we should sign off. Let's sign off. Okay, bye! Cheers! Well, who the fuck are you? What do you want? Duck box. What? Hey, hey, it's yours. Just get the fuck out of here. No. Nico! You opened it, summoned us, and we came. Came for what? Who the fuck are you? We came for you, Nico. We are the light in the darkness, empaths to higher sensation, guardians of ultimate experience. And now you will come with us. What? No, 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 I'm not going anywhere! No! Get out of here!